All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Twimmel AI podcast. I am your host, Sam Charrington, and today I'm joined by Mike Miller. Mike is Director of AI Product at AWS. We are, of course, coming to you live from the Future Frequency podcast studio here at the reInvent conference, which I've been covering via X, aka Twitter or FKA Twitter, and LinkedIn. Be sure to follow me on those networks for the latest reInvent and AI updates and insights. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, really exciting to be here and chat with you a little bit about what we've been up to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into our conversation. We'll be talking about the product that you are currently heading up here at AWS, a product called Party Rock. Absolutely. I'm kind of representing with my builder's vest on here, Party Rock. Anybody can build AI apps, so... Absolutely. As well as some other products that you've worked on previously. But before we dive into those, I'd love to have you share a little bit about your background and how you came to work on these edutainment AI tools. I love that word. Thanks, Sam. Absolutely. So again, my name is Mike Miller. I've been with Amazon for about 11 years. First five of those, I worked on the Fire TV product where I helped build and launch that product. And the last six, I've been with the AIML team at AWS where I've led the development of a number of our kind of hands-on learning products focused around AI and ML and most recently, generative AI. Awesome. You didn't mention those specific products, but they are Deep Lens. That's right. Deep Racer and Deep Composer. You got it. Deep Lens I have and have used. Deep Racer I have and have used. Deep Composer, I don't know that I heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it was the third in that. It was the, the third one that we did, 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah, Deep Composer, I think we were a little bit early, actually, because Deep Composer was trying to teach transformer models through music. And, you know, of course, now these large language models, these foundation models are all based on this transformer architecture, right, where you're predicting the next tokens. And that was what we were doing with music. We had MIDI notes that we used to train the models, and the predictions were the next MIDI notes in the sequence. And so you could actually play a little melody on the, on the little keyboard, and, like, the model would kind of predict or sort of complete the melody for you. So Interesting. Yeah, but those products were a lot of fun. You know, we launched Deep Lens in 2017. That was Deep cool. Lens, I love that. I was at, like, one of the launch workshops and got one of the yeah. things. Did it, you get a hot dog? That was we, right. The, we, the kind of canonical yeah, app was hot dog exactly, or not hot, hot dog. dog. No hot dog. We were just chatting about that last night with a couple of coworkers. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming that to those workshops. They, and, were, uh, they were very memorable. It combined, like, was it Greengrass? Yep. And Just some, recognition like, model. Sub, like, yep. Yep. Service. We I used like SNS, I think. SNS. We, sent, we, we would send a text message if it detected a hot dog or not a hot dog. It yeah, was good awesome, memory. Like, wow. Integration of a bunch of different yeah. services and a demonstration of capability yeah. yep. in an accessible package. We taught I, you I Lambda. Love- we taught you Greengrass. I mean, we taught you, you know, object recognition models. We pushed the model down to the device the IoT device. So yeah, it was, um, we, we were we were ahead of our time there. You know, it was uh, it was definitely a fun one that gave people sort of a fun opportunity just to get hands-on with all these new technologies. We launched SageMaker that year. So it was all about, hey, how can we sort of build this story and make, sort of provide some thought leadership around artificial intelligence and machine learning when it comes to developers getting hands-on. We like to say we learned, we sort of observed that developers at Amazon learned a lot faster and were more effective when they had sort of hands-on sort of opportunities to get into the technology. And really that sort of undercurrent has, you know, sort of fed the justification of all of those products, Deep Lens, Deep Racer, Deep Composer, and even this Party Rock product. What we've discovered is 
if you make learning fun and you kind of use play to motivate people, they're much more excited, much more interested in sort of engaging, even if it even if it is some learning and learning technology products or technology sort of concepts, people are a lot more interested in engaging and learning. Yeah, Deep Racer was also an interesting one. It was kind of like a, a car with built-in computer vision. That's exactly right. We took a 118th scale RC car and we bolted on a compute board. It was a, an Intel processor that we bolted on it. And then we taught you uh, reinforcement learning, which is a kind of a branch of machine learning that allows sort of a machine learning to sort of follow a very complex path and achieve an, an interesting end goal. And we used reinforcement learning along with the computer vision on the car to teach it to drive around a track. And so you first develop that model in a simulator. So we have a cloud-based sort of 3D virtual racing simulator. And then you train the model there. And then you download the model into the physical car. And, you know, you come to one of our events like reInvent or one of our other activities. And you can drive the car around the track. And so, of course, and we it's said... it's quite a platform. Like this, it was launched four years yeah, ago, five years ago, maybe. Yeah, still going strong. And have you seen it? I've seen it they've, here. They've got a two-story booth. We did a conference, TwimbleCon, in 2019 in San Francisco, and one of the evangelists like brought a deep racer setup and showed us all how to how to use it. It's very cool. Yeah, very cool a, tool. It's a lot of fun. And again, like if you make it playful and fun, it's just a lot more interesting for people. We deep racer did really well. I think very sticky. You know, when we developed it, we said, "Hey, what's a car driving around a track without a little bit of competition?" And I think the competition is, you know, an element that really motivates you know certain people. It's not for everyone. We try to make it fun and sort of non-competitive to get involved. And then for those who want to race and like get more competitive, we have this whole deep racer league. You know, and it's evolved. We have regions all around the world that compete against each other. You come to the events around the world to qualify for the championships, which we hold here at reInvent. You know, the winner has like a giant trophy that they get to hoist. So it's a big thing now. It's got a huge following. Has the vehicle itself evolved? The vehicle itself, surprisingly, no. It's been like really great, solid sort of platform for deploying these reinforcement learning models. And it's got just enough performance for it to provide a pretty entertaining drive. Like I was just over there yesterday and they've got a pretty complex track and these cars are like zipping around there. Like 14 seconds is the is the time, you know, the sort of leading time. And that is pretty fast for these cars around the track. It's really impressive to see. And they just drive themselves. So it's really neat. Well, I will say that I have a deep razor that is gathering dust somewhere. And if anyone is listening to this and is inspired to play around with deep racer, then like, give me a shout out. Awesome. Tell me a great story about why you want this thing. And assuming that you're not in a place that will be difficult to get it to, I will get it to you. <laughs> Very generous of you, Sam. That's <laughs> and awesome. And maybe even a deep lens. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> so your latest product is Party Rock. I was poking you a little bit earlier because my initial foray into Party Rock was, I couldn't tell if it was meant to be a joke or if it was serious <laughs> because the results that I were getting were so wacky, but you had an interesting response yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, I think let's, that's a great thing. Let, let's start by having you explain what Party Rock is yeah. and what the goals are. Sure, absolutely. So we developed Party Rock as a fun, easy to use generative AI app builder designed for anyone of any skill level, you know, no coding required, no AWS account required, just log in with your social account. And you in just under a minute can be building AI, you know, generative AI based applications. 
The goal here is to give folks some intuition about generative AI and how it works. We think this is going to be infusing all of our lives in the near future. And so just having a better understanding of how these things work, large language models, image models, eventually multimodal models, it's going to be useful for everybody. And we wanted to build a platform that sort of lowers the risk for experimenting with these things. And I think, Sam, as we were chatting before, like play is a great motivator. And, you know, that's kind of it's reflected in the name. It's reflected if you go visit the website, partyrock.aws, you can see it in the website. It's fun, it's not bright colors. not to be colors. serious at all. It's like we lean into the rock motif. You know, you've got vinyl records around, yep. you know, the area where you manage your stuff is called the backstage. And so, yeah, we were just trying to have have a lot of fun with it. And hopefully that sense kind of uh, rubs off on the folks who who use it. Yeah. Now, when you go to interact with it, it feels very much like GPTs, which folks who listen to this podcast will know. Essentially, you can kind of write and save a prompt and then process further prompts or inputs against that prompt. Is that the the general idea? That's right. I think we wanted to make it a little more complex and interesting, though. So we actually try to teach you about kind of chaining prompts together, allowing model selection, allowing you to kind of manage some of the configuration like temperature or top P of some of the things. So we try to make it clearly didn't get far enough. Yeah, yeah. We kind of make it easy uh, to, yeah, like you can sort of like jump in and just get a little slice, right? We have this thing called the, the app builder, which you can actually generate an AI app just by typing a sentence. Like you can say, Give me an app that generates nicknames, right, period. And then we'll actually generate like a few different widgets for you in an app. One widget would be an input widget, like, and it'll say, okay, enter the name. And then the the second widget will be a, you know, a generative AI powered, you know, text widget. And it'll default to one of the models and the prompt will probably be something like using the, you know, and then it's got a little reference sign at name to reference the prior widget, generate five fun nicknames based on that name. And so you enter a name in the input prompt and you see some output. What's super interesting then for users is on that tech, that generative AI powered widget, there's a model selector. So you can go for all the models in Amazon Bedrock. You can kind of take a look. So we have, you know, Dropbox Claude and Amazon's Titan and, you know, other models as we add them to Amazon Bedrock. So users can experiment that way. But what I think is super neat is you can also chain widgets together. So users can see that the uh, output that gets generated from the generative AI can actually be used to form the input of another widget. So there's a a common like pattern that we've seen, like folks who want to do like role-playing character generation, right? Where you can have like two input boxes, right? Like the race and the class, or you could even make it even more ambiguous. You can say like, what are the strengths of this character? What are the emotional state of this character? And then you can write prompts that say, based on those two things, like generate sort of a name and a short description of this character. And then you can have another prompt or another generative AI widget that says, hey, based on the description that the model came up with, generate an image for what this character could look like. Oh, now based on the image and the description, tell me like a secret backstory of this character. And so you can actually have these things kind of chained together and feed one into the other. So there's a little bit of depth there for building more complex applications. Yeah, I mentioned to you that my initial foray was playing around with translation prompt and... What's a Party Rock app called? An app? I, we just call it an app. Okay, yep, so the, it's app, easy. the uh, app translated into a surprisingly diverse set of languages <laughs> set of beyond languages. the one that I was intending <laughs> you to target. Expecting. Exactly. Yeah. And Sam, I think we were, we were mentioning like that sort of showcases like, hey, different models have different sort of specializations or different models are good at different kind of tasks. That was the point that I was just going to raise. Yeah. Like the, you know, my initial reaction was, oh, this thing is crazy. Is this serious or what? But the fact that I could then select another model that may be more 
more appropriate, I think, as part of the learning experience because models aren't all yeah. the same. They don't all excel at the same things. Yeah. And, and we all know, like, there's the cliche, right? You learn from your mistakes. And in this kind of app, this kind of scenario, like I said, we want to take some of the risk out of making a, quote, mistake, right? Like, it should just be a fun learning experience. Like, oh, that didn't kind of quite turn out the way I wanted it to. What if I did this? Oh, wait, actually, that that works a little better. And then you can kind of see that. I think the other really neat thing about Party Rock that we added is this remix functionality, which you may, you may not have seen, but the goal is to give inspiration. So if you see an app, you know, somebody, and the cool thing is these apps are just shareable via URL. So somebody yeah. shares, posts an app on social or shares you an app uh, via URL. If you think that app is pretty cool, but you're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if it did this or if it like was tweaked a little bit? Just click the remix button and in engineering parlance, we fork it and we make it your own. So you basically get a copy of that app. Now you can remix it. You can change the prompt. You can change the input. You can sort of edit the text that it says and kind of make it your own. So we've got this built-in ability to get inspired by what other people are building inside of Party Rock. Yeah, very cool. Can you talk a little bit about the some of the things that you learned about the underlying technology? Well, let's maybe first talk sure. about the underlying technologies yeah. that Party Rock is built on and then the things that you learned using those. Yeah, well, primarily the full name is Party Rock and Amazon Bedrock Playground. Okay. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we're 100% built on top of Amazon Bedrock. So if there are foundation models that are available in Amazon Bedrock, once they're generally available, they will eventually make their way into Party Rock. So really under the covers is the various foundation models from Amazon Bedrock. And there's kind of two use cases, right? As we described, there was the app builder where you can just give it a sentence or two and it'll try to build the app for you. And then you can also go into manual mode and you can just sort of plug widgets down on your little canvas, you know, whether they're static text or input or text generation or image generation. The former case where you just enter some text and you say, hey, Party Rock, build me an app. Like that's all built today on top of Anthropics Claude. And we have kind of a, a little bit of like infrastructure underneath there that tries to build some scaffolding. And then it asks the model to kind of fill in the scaffolding to actually build an app. Scaffolding in what sense? If the app's going to need some input from the user, like let's build an, in, you know, add an input widget and make sure you're prompting for the right thing. If the app needs to generate an image, like, okay, add an image widget and then make sure the prompt is correct. So that's kind of the kind of scaffolding that I mean, like under the covers. In the manual building mode, it's really up to you as a user, like which models you want to pull in. You know, you can kind of drag and drop in the different widgets. So we have an input widget where we can take something from a user, a static text widget, if you want to like provide instructions in your app. And then there are three generative AI powered widgets. So there's the text one that just, you give it a prompt and it generates text. The image one where you give it a prompt and it generates an image. And okay. then there's a chat bot where you can kind of provide a prompt that guides an interactive sort of chat experience with a user. And so we've seen people use those for like, you can give it a prompt like, hey, pretend you're a sommelier at, you know, such and such fine restaurant and provide wine advice to the questions that the user asks, right? If you want to build like a menu recommender app or something like that. So you can kind of imagine like people can kind of do some fun stuff with those apps. But the tech is really based on Amazon Bedrock. And one of the patterns that we've seen in the past with, like some of the SageMaker products is like there's a light version, but you can press a button and like push that into SageMaker and 
access the underlying code or whatever and then build on it. Is there That's any right. concept like that here or is it just kind of for play? Yeah, it's it's a really astute observation. We debated this a bit as we were building this product. Like how much do we want to make it so that you can build something here and then sort of export it over to a notebook, for instance? Or what are the bedrock API calls that I could use to sort of mimic this application? So I mean, I it's almost s- like if you look at it, you know, you kind of turn your head and get past like the Rocky motif. It's almost kind of like a mini streamlit, you know, LLM. Yeah, like uh, a little prototyping environment almost. Yeah, and I think that's something that we've been debating all along. So I wouldn't be surprised. I can't tell you what's in the future because we're still kind of figuring it out for this product. But I wouldn't be surprised if we added some capabilities like that to make it easier so that let's say you did build something, you prototype something and you're like, tested out some prompts and you're like, oh, wait, actually, this is like the golden prompt. I want to use this. Click a button, export to the API, the Bedrock API calls so that I could copy into my application or something like that. Or maybe even further down the road, you prototype something and then it exports it directly into your like code catalyst environment or something like that. I could see some of those type of things happening, but certainly you're, you know, you're absolutely right. At the beginning, we're very much focused on, you know, low barrier to entry, you know, no coding skills required. And so we want to sort of advance that sort of message in the app. But I think there's an opportunity to do a little more, as you're saying, down the road. Yeah. Also, not necessarily in line with no coding experience and low barrier of entry. One of the announcements that I was most excited about in Swami's keynotes today was the uh, model evaluation capabilities for Bedrock. For Bedrock, yeah. And it would be really interesting to, to see those surface via very accessible tool that allows people to start thinking about, okay, I can throw up some toy app. How do I actually think about how it performs, you know, relative to model selection or relative to prompts, things like that? Yeah. Uh, If I could put in my plug for the next Party Rock (laughs) extension, it would be model evaluation. Yeah. Well, I think you can get a kind of a light version of that already in Party Rock, right? Because you could potentially just create three output widgets and each output widget, ah, interesting. you just pick a different model. And that's a good way, just like we were talking about, some models are better at certain tasks. That's a great way to kind of look and say, hey, which model is the best suited for this task that I want to sort of pursue, right? Yeah. We also give you, today it's free for a limited time. And what we do is we give everybody kind of a bucket of credits and you whittle down those credits by building and using apps. And what we do in the model dropdown is we give you kind of like a relative scale of like how expensive, quote unquote, each model is going to be, right? So if you want to sort of prototype an app or sort of explore like, hey, I want something that's like very low cost, but very fast that excels at like a specific task, like a text summarization, like that's something that, you know, a smaller model that might cost less that has lower latency will get to, will allow you to access, you know, very cheaply. Whereas a more expensive model, it might be overkill for like just a simple text summarization task. Right. Because you don't want to provide a bunch of instructions and have it follow instructions and engage with you in a conversational tone where you'll need a much bigger, like more like instruction tuned model to kind of get that kind of output. I don't know that the target audience is necessarily going to get that, but that's potentially really deep. Like that's right. I have a friend that talks about kind of the um, LLM, like supply chain and kind of the model development process. And the idea is like you start with, you know, the most powerful, most expensive model that it gets you there quickly. And then you try to poke at cost management and try to scale it back and see how far you can take it. 
And the idea that you can like play around with that idea in this kind of toy platform is kind of interesting. Yeah, it lets you do some exploration, you know, because I don't think I don't think everybody, you know, there's probably a different approaches, right? You could always start with like the big heavyweight ones and then scale back or start with the low ones and sort of work your way up, right? I think there's different approaches to kind of tackle that. But yeah, absolutely. And that's what we we're going for with the product is, you know, kind of a quick and easy way to get hands-on with some of this stuff. And maybe you discover like, hey, I need to go a little bit deeper. I need to you know, measure latency or measure accuracy or do more sort of very, very subjective kind of tasks around measuring which bedrock model selector feature will probably accomplish for you. And so you've kind of suggested this, but it's obviously a lot easier to evolve software products like Party Rock than it was to evolve Deep Racer or <laughs> with the hardware. Sight, with the hardware. Mm, yes. Do you see Party Rock evolving over time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the neat things about AWS and our philosophy is listen to the customer, see how they use your product. And I think just in terms of my history of in launching products as a product manager, I love launching V1.0 products because you almost never like get it exactly right. People are always going to use your product in like new, interesting ways that you didn't quite realize. And then the faster that you can like skate to the puck where that puck is going and like respond to how people are using it, that's really like the recipe for success for building something that's engaging and sticky and sort of useful for those people. So absolutely, we're looking at how people build these apps and use them. We've got an, a great little feedback mechanism on the website, you know, monitoring, you know, socials, like where people are posting. And absolutely, we want to start improving this thing over time to see what, you know, match up to what people want it to do. Beyond the kind of edutainment aspect of it, are you seeing folks like creating actually useful things and sharing them? Not really. And I think that's and that's totally <laughs> 100% fine with us. Exactly. We can, we kind of don't want you to build anything like production. Yeah, maybe a utility app. Intentionally mission you know, critical right, party right, rock no, app. No, please. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, do not do that with party rock. I'm scraping a SQL converter and using it on my hyperscale my website. Uh, yeah, exactly. My production uh, dashboards. Like, no, don't do that. Yeah. No, it's, we've seen a lot of like really funny ones. Some uh-huh. like useful ones, like some adults, some parents are generating like bedtime story generators, right? They'll take as an input, like what's the kid's like favorite character or what mood are they in, right? They'll enter that and Party Rock, they'll prompt it to like generate a story based on what the kid I- enjoys or what mood they're in, right? So that's kind of a utility one that's useful and it's creative. It's like a perfect sort of fit for like a Party Rock sort yeah. of application. One that's gotten a lot of traction it's called the Sassy CDK Helper, and it was the done Sassy by Sassy CDK Helper. Yeah, so the C, the CDK is an Amazon you know toolkit, right? That you can that you can use, and so it was one of our AWS heroes wrote this, but he, okay. he wrote the prompt such that it was like, hey, give good answers, but do it in like a really s- sassy sort of satirical kind of way, and name drop some of these people. Got and it, so got it's, it. You know, people use it not to get like real like advice on how to use the CDK, but just to see like this sort of kind sassy of like the interaction. Pirate's Guide to Easy yeah. Two or something. Right. It's like, what do you mean use serverless? Like, that's crazy. Like, you know, everybody's going serverless now. You'd be an idiot not to, you know, for instance, or something fun like that, right? So people are having a lot of fun with it from that perspective. And I think that's where it shines and sort of gets people's juices flowing is those creative uses. And are most people doing kind of simple one-step prompt thing or taking advantage of this chaining? Yeah, no, you should see some people like have like 10 or 12 widgets that they'll put together because they want to build an app that's based on like three or five or eight different inputs from the user, right? They'll use all those inputs to 
generate a couple of different outputs like the like I mentioned before like the role playing game like character generator some people have gone like way deep on those and they'll be like okay like generate my stamina and my charisma and provide the backstory and provide the image and tell me the strengths and weaknesses of this class and like they've kind of gone overboard with some of that stuff so it's all possible you know we do see a lot of simple like single input single output kind of things but I think the interface and what you see like encourages you to like, hey, just throw another widget down and it's really easy to sort of tie it back to, you know, the other widgets that are there to build on top of it. So, yeah, I'm thinking about, again, this kind of edutainment concept more broadly. And I can imagine like folks in an enterprise setting, like technical people that are trying to articulate concepts like chaining and different models to executives. I would want maybe the ability to reskin this a little bit more seriously, but uh, <laughs> it seems like it could be an interesting tool yeah, for I that kind of use case. Yeah, I think that's a super case. interesting idea. And like I said, like if we hear from customers that that's something that they want to go do, then by all means, we'll take a look at that really closely and say, okay, how could we like make this useful in an enterprise? I mean, that was one of the really neat things that came out of just looking back on like Deep Racer. When we launched Deep Racer, you know, you were there. It was very much about individual developers. Hey, here, get hands-on, use the cloud-based environment to learn reinforcement learning and kind of get right. more get more deep into machine learning. What happened even that first year was like individual developers engaged with it and they were like, okay, this is fun, makes learning fun, like I'm having a good time. I'm going to take this to my workplace and tell my boss about this. And the next thing we knew, we had huge numbers of enterprises who wanted to run deep racer events, like do like the deep racer league or race, but at their company. And so that sort of took off. And that's a huge part of what we see usage of Deep Racer today is individual companies, small, medium-sized, the biggest companies in the world, you know, companies like JP Morgan Chase, you know, they have like a global program built on Deep Racer to get their users excited about machine learning. And we saw that kind of take off. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw similar usage for Party Rock and we'd have to kind of adjust and think about how we'd sort of yeah. serve that audience a little differently, right? Than the fluorescent, I mean, you know, yellow Party Rock <laughs> vest, right? <laughs> right. This is a huge shift that we're going through around generative AI and it's kind of inherently accessible to a broader audience than reinforcement learning was. Yeah. And I think like the edutainment concept at scale could be really interesting, especially when you compare it to like traditional training and education, right. which yeah, is like boring. Exactly. I mean, who wants to who wants to, <laughs> who wants to sit through that? It's funny. You're probably familiar with our working backwards process. You know, at Amazon, we write start with the press, press release, release and, yeah. and talk about. But you also part of that process is thinking about like what problem are you solving? And even back in when we did deep lens, we yeah. kind of called out one of the problems was hey, learning like this deep technical material. Either like you're a scientist and you're like getting the research papers as they're published to archive.org, or you're like going through this super boring class where you're like, oh, this is like the worst training of my life. And we we're like, wouldn't it be cooler if you had something that like you could get hands on and build a hot dog, no hot dog thing and have a texture phone. And like, it's funny, like that kind of concept has resonated from 2017. You know, we've been thinking about that. Yeah. Speaking of archive, were there any hairy technical challenges here? Or is it kind of purely an engineering software scale kind of UI even yeah, kinds no, of issues? It was very much a just, hey, this is kind of fun. Let's get it out the door. And I think that's what allowed us to build it so quickly, like kind of productize it because it was really based, like I mentioned, the origin story was based on this internal tool that kind of like a hackathon type of project. Yeah, there was like there was a tool that a team in Berlin, they built. It was sort of a, they called it the LLM playground where they allowed you to like try a couple different models and actually chain some widgets together. And it spread like 
word of mouth, like wildfire. I remember I got a Slack message. You got to check this thing out. We saw it and we were like, okay, we think this thing is going to be super useful for non-Amazon employees. Like how do we do this? And so it's probably like one of the fastest product development, product launch timeframes, you know, at AWS, like from like, I don't know, August to November, you know, we built and shipped this thing. So yeah, it was very much, there were no like hairy technical problems that we had to, that we had to tackle. It was more about like the branding and who is this really for? And can we lock in on that and kind of go do that? And, And the name also was fun. It was fun naming this thing. So we were like, Hey, it's a it's built on Amazon Bedrock Party Rock. Yes, that's just going to make it. I like, didn't even get that. It just makes it fun, you know, quirky, you know, all, like all those kind of things. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. How do you see? Uh, like, what's the future of edutainment in at AWS? It's oh, like you gonna, have a great job. It's yeah. like you run a toy workshop. Uh, at, that's what I tell everybody. Like, I have the best company. job. At, <laughs> I have the best job at, at AWS and Amazon. Like, oh yeah, we're going to think of more of these things. I mean. They work. So right? you're not going to give me the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the scoop is. We got to come up with them. I mean, that's the great part about this. It's like yeah. every year or like creative ideas come from all over the place, whether it's an internal tool that we productize or Deep Racer was based on, you know, the essays at reInvent 2017 did this event. I don't know if you heard about it. It was called the RoboCar Rally, where they I used like that, an, yeah. they used an open source toolkit to, to build cars. They didn't use reinforcement learning, but it taught a different machine learning technique. And it was like, again, the light bulb went off. Hey, like people are super excited to do that? Oh, let's go build that. Let's figure out how we make it, you know, how we scale it up, make it more accessible for more people. So these ideas come from anywhere and, you know, we love having fun with them. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy reInvent schedule and sharing a bit about what you've been working on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Sam. Thanks for having me on the program. It's been great to speak with you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit twimmelai.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.